0: Amen. I'm excited. For those who um, haven't been in the ground floor recently, we're in a never-ending series on being in Christ. It's not never-ending, but just about, I think we're on part number seven. But we're talking about what it means to be in Christ. And we learned that God has so much in store for us. And in Christ, God no longer sees us for our own mistakes, for what we've done, but he sees us through the lens of Jesus, that our identity our placement comes with him and everything that he makes available to us. And we learn that in him we have salvation, forgiveness, a new identity that we produce fruit. That there are promises available to us. We learned that there are over 3,000 promises in amongst them. We have authority that God created us to walk in it and commissioned us with his authority. This morning we're going to talk a little about healing. Has anyone ever been sick? Hurt? Injured? Or known someone who is one of those. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, either you're a liar or you're injured, hurt, or too lazy um, and you need healed. So, the, but we all encounter sickness. We all encounter um, pain. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I thought, well, every spiritual blessing sounds good. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, Jesus walks through and tells us a little bit about heaven. He goes, in heaven, because we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He goes, there is no more sorrow, crying, there will be no more pain for the or, or death. Sorry, I missed death in the beginning. Um, Have passed away. Sickness brings pain, brings sorrow, brings crying, brings death. He goes, there'll be none of that. So if in heaven this is not, and we are blessed with every blessing in heaven, <clears throat> that alone would indicate that healing is for those that are in Christ. Revel, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, or sorry, verse 7 goes, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, that Jesus... Was revealed among you is confirmed among you so that you are not lacking any spiritual gift. We've just got, discovered that healing is one of those gifts. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it goes on in verse 4, which he has granted to us by his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may come, become partakers of the divine nature. And I'm intentionally going to use a lot of verses this morning. If you're taking notes, write down all of the references that you can. And if you miss a bunch, we now have a podcast. You can download it, listen to it again, and write them down. We're going to go over why it's so important in a little bit. But it goes over this again and again. It says that He's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, health pertains to life and godliness. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, All the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter the amen to, the, to God for His glory. It states that when we receive the promises that God has for us, it not only benefits us, but it brings honor and glory to God when His will is done. And He wants us to represent Him well, and He wants to see His will done in our lives. Yet, so often, it's really easy to base theology, to base your um, belief system on your experience. And it's what so many people do. And so many people throughout many generations have based theology. And even there are denominations around experiential theology. Where they say, well, this is what I've experienced, therefore, this is what must be true. And when someone gets really philosophical, that can sound good. When they sit here and go, "Well, you believe in healing, but if you prayed and not been healed, see, therefore, healing doesn't exist." Or some people I've made the argument, "Well, there's unanswered prayers, so there's not a God." I'm like, "That's stupid. If that was true, there be no no one would have parents." Some of you guys asked for something, I had them not give it to you. You're like, really? That doesn't make your parents not appear. But, anyways, um, the problem with this experiential theology is the world is larger than you. And just because you haven't seen it, just because you haven't experienced it, doesn't mean that something is not true. Does anyone ever run? Anyone ever run? Anyone ever like run for their school like cross or track? Is anyone fast? Anyone who's decently fast? How fast? Yeah, what do you run? What? Nice. How about you, Ernest? 11.100. Okay, I don't know my 100s very well. I know miles, and if you're going 5.30, you're going really fast. And we could sit here and go, well, 5.30 is fast. Can anyone outrun 5.30 in a mile? All right, how fast? Well, you raised your hand. Nothing, nothing. For a long time, no one ever ran below four minutes. In fact, they thought it may be impossible. It may have um, dangers, but there's some people who are like, oh, I'm going to try it anyways. And we're pushing and pushing it for a long time. Finally, somebody broke it. In fact, the standing world record mile time is three minutes, 43 seconds. And then it's, I want to say it's 0.13, but... Um, that's fast. It is. It's three minutes, 43 seconds, and 13 tenths of a second, held by a guy whose name I can't pronounce. But this is what's important. I have never seen someone run that fast. I have never ran under a four-minute mile. Does that mean that because I haven't personally felt it, experienced it, or done it, that it doesn't exist? Does the world revolve around my experiences? Is it possible that my experiences could create a false picture? Because a lot of people suffer because life lies frequently. Th- the statistically it's quite easy to prove. Because if you have somebody who, let's just say they make 80% of their shots, and we'll go with basketball. So they're gonna make 80%. What happens if eventually, if they, they're gonna make 80%, odds are actually that they'll miss more up front while they're warming up than once they kind of get warmed up. So the odds of them missing right away is pretty good, and then getting on and making their shots, and they'll miss theoretically two out of 10 what if they missed the first one? What did life just tell them? You suck. You missed. If they only shoot one shot, what does it say? You failed. You're a failure. You missed your shots. Is it true? No. But a lot of them stop right there. And they go, see, I'm not good at basketball. Do you realize that Michael Jordan tried out for a team and got cut? Some of you guys are like, Michael Jordan? I'm like, far out, you guys are young. Well, if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, you don't know basketball, but he was a legend in basketball. But life will tell you lies. And many people have gone on and said, you know what, I prayed once for a healing and I didn't see it. Therefore, God doesn't heal or God won't answer my prayers. So I don't believe in healing because life told me something. Because this is my experience. But we don't stand on our experience. We stand on God's word. Because life will lie to you. So we're going through a lot of verses because I want you guys not to just go, this is what I've experienced so far. But to go, this is what God's word says, so this is what's available to me and this is what I can experience from here on out. In 3 John chapter Um, There's only one chapter. So in 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. And this goes over and over again where the Bible goes through and says that God wants good things for you. And in a backlash against selfishness, most of us realize that selfishness isn't a good thing, yet selfishness seems to be somehow ingrained in all of us. Maybe there's like a superhuman, maybe you're a superhuman who was never selfish. I'm not that superhuman. My children are not that superhuman. My children were born and I never had to teach them how to be selfish. They can do that all on their own. And it is all the time. And they'll fight over stupid, stupid... Th- they'll fight over nothing. They're sitting in the car, and all of a sudden, there's like, like, what is going on back there? And they're just going, poof, poof, and they're hitting each other. Like, what happened? He put his foot on my chair. He hit me. So I hit him back. And you're like, poof. you're just like hitting each other. It's just like instant fight. And I guess it's what happens when you have two boys close to the same age. They just randomly, bam, 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 bam. And like just, off it goes. You're like, what? No one knows. But it, it is the result of selfishness. And somewhere in society in this like backlash against selfishness there was the glorified the glorifying of um, of having nothing of having it poor when people seemed to be going to an extreme trying to get a bunch of people went to the other extreme and said if you have that's bad and so we're going to try to glorify misery and some of this crept into to spots in the church where, where they were like, well, you know what? It, you know, I'm sick, God bless it. You're like, don't pray for me, I'm sick. Why? I don't know what God's trying to teach me, but I'm sure it's for his glory. <laughs> so what? Or you'll you'll hear things. And, and that it's not good to have money, and they'll use the fact that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You're like, doesn't say that money is. In fact, Proverbs 10.22 tells us that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So there's a difference between money and the love of money. And he goes through and says that so many people, they, they, there's this backlash of complete selfishness is bad, but that doesn't mean that it's bad to have to be blessed, it's not bad to be healthy. They go, it's, in fact, the Bible says that he wants us to prosper, even as our soul prospers, he wants us to be a blessing. Do you realize that if you're sick, you're not a blessing? When you're sick, and not like, you know what, hey, I have a stuffy nose, like you can be quite a blessing with a stuffy nose, but the sicker you are, the less of a blessing you are. Um, in, in this, here's a great example. I love my wife. My wife is, ex- she's pregnant. When a we, we, couple gets pregnant, it's actually the girl that's pregnant. Uh, but um, we're expecting our third. She's in the first trimester. For the last uh, months now, her goal every day is to puke as few times as possible. Do you know how much help she is right now? Pretty much none. I love her. She's making the baby. I can't do that. I thank her for that. But I come home on lunch, make lunch for her, make lunch for the boys, eat it, try to clean up, and go back to work. Come back home and take care of her. I get up in the morning. I get the boys ready. I change their diapers. The other day she called me. She's like, how far out are you? I'm like, I'm home. Great. Zeke pooped. I'm like, what is this? I thought moms would be supposed to be the ones, but the other day, like he walked by after he pooped and made her puke. And like um, now, that there's ways that she is normally a blessing. She normally helps cook, clean, and do a lot of things that are that are a blessing both to her children, to myself. She loves to be here and able to pour into you guys. She doesn't like coming right now because if one of you is wearing perfume, it'll make her puke. Um, and so being sick stops her from being the blessing that she wants to be. And we're very excited that at the end of this one it comes out a baby. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're healed and there's the baby. Like actually, by the time you're out of your first trimester, you start feeling better. And today is week 11, which means we're almost there. So anyways, and and she's doing better and we've been praying for her because the Bible says that we're redeemed from the curse. But this is, this concept that sickness is, is good is from the devil. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Uh, Actually, we're going to start in verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Um, And it goes on in verse 3. says, forbidding people to marry, commanding them to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. He goes, there are people that are teaching a doctrine of the devil that you're supposed to be miserable and not supposed to participate in... The things that God wants to bless you with. And it sits here and says, that's a doctrine from the devil. God wants you whole. God wants you healthy. The Bible is not against doctors and medicine. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Colossians 4, verse 14. Um, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Luke, who wrote one of the, um, actually, he wrote both Luke and um, Acts. He's a physician. He's a doctor. Didn't say, cursed wretch tries to help make people healthy. Ending all God's plans to make them sick. No, it calls him blessed. Jesus went around, Acts ten thirty eight. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. We find over and over again, it says that he had compassion on them. He prayed for the sick and healed all who were sick. And, and in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. In fact, in the Gospels, in John 14, 9, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when you wonder, what does God want to do about sickness, you look at Jesus and say, what did Jesus do with sickness? Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. When Jesus encountered sickness, sickness had to go. So what is God's will concerning sickness? God's will concerning sickness is that it would be eradicated, that it would be gone, that we could walk in health, in strength, in life, that we could go out, that we could let his life and light shine through us, that we could be a blessing to those around us, drawing them to Jesus. Uh, you go, well, how... It's great. Where do I start? So glad you asked. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The reason that I am going over an insane amount of verses this morning, and it's not all that's in my notes. If you need more, I have more in my notes. But the reason we're going over these verses is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I recently heard, I think it was Pastor Duane made the comment, it comes, it comes by hearing, not having heard. It's not something that you're like, you know what? Last year, you did a series, or two years ago you did a series, and I heard some stuff. It goes, by hearing, by continually filling yourself up with the Word. And as you constantly fill yourself up, it begins to overflow from within you. And when it begins to overflow, it begins to change your reality. The problem that so many Christians have is they're dry as can be, and they drip in like one verse. They're like, Dish. all right, Overflow! Okay, but you know, if you take a cup and you drip one drip in it, it's probably not going to overflow if the cup was empty. If so, it was a really lame cup. But if it's full all the top and you keep pouring in, it's going to overflow. He goes, fill up on God's word. And as it fills you, it will begin to overflow in your life. And when it overflows in your life, you're going to see it in manifestations of healing. In life, you're going to see God's will begin to come into pass in your life. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, I shared a story with you guys about when I began to overflow with God's word on our authority. I went to the beach. We lost our frisbee in the ocean. Prayed, um, nothing happened, and I realized, wait a second, I'm asking God to do what God gave me authority to do. Ocean spit back my frisbee, and the ocean gave back the frisbee that it had taken. And it was a, it was a crazy deal. So I began to overflow because that's what I had been so full of. If I was coming in empty, there was not going to be anything to overflow. When I was getting ready to go on a mission trip to India, when I was in high school, we had a prayer meeting ahead of time. We're praying for this trip, and I'm really excited, and we're praying. And I'm like, God, use me. And God, arm me, equip me. I want to see people get healed, and I want to see your will done. And I'm all praying this prayer. And it was like God interrupted my prayer, prayer. It's actually supposed to be a two way conversation, but I was having a one way conversation how excited I was and how I wanted God to use me and equip me and to fill me and to, to use me to heal people. And um, I just felt like God said, My power is in my word. Like, yeah, arm me, equip me. My power is in my word. Like that light bulb moment where you feel like a little cartoon character, like, <sniffs> wow. That means I have the ability right here and right now to become armed. That I don't have to wait for God to randomly attack me with superpower. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, guess what? I have a new superpower. I will lay my hands on the sick and they'll recover. Booyah. Like, it's not like, who are you? I'm healing man. Like, what happened? I got bit by a healing spider and zapped by lightning at the same time. So I like but somehow maybe not you, but that's kind of how I thought about it. Not that I was gonna get bit by a super spider and lightning, though that'd have been really cool. But like one day this like magic gift power was going to overwhelm me and then I was going to have and you're like, no what that's not. I was praying to God to like, fill me with this superpower of healing because I want to see God use me and I want to see people healed that are broken and I want them drawn towards you. And God just looked at me and said, my power is in my word. And you're like, wait, faith comes by hearing, not by getting bit by the magic spider. If you want to have faith, faith the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith that's going to bring things that aren't seen into the realm that they are seen, faith comes from a promise. You cannot have faith without first having a promise. Without a promise, you have hope. If I just sit here and be like, hey, there are shakes back there, and they're really good. There's probably a lot of you guys that would hope that someone would buy you a shake. Like, yeah, I would like one. They taste good. But you know what you can count on? Nothing. Wonder why? Because you're just hoping. There's no promise. Now, when they, raised, they had people raise their hand, there was a couple of visitors. Visitors, I'll make you a promise. You come find a leader after service. Fill out some information on a tablet. We'll give you a card, and we'll buy your shake. Okay, now, you have nothing to stand on, and the odds of you getting a shake, unless someone next to you really likes you, um, are slim. The visitors, I just made a promise. They can actually go up, fill out the card, and if they have a problem at the the counter, they can go, I have a promise from Pastor Daniel. And the people at the cafe won't give them a problem, but if they were to give them a problem and go, I don't know if I want to give you a shake, they would go, Pastor Daniel gave me a promise. Let's find Pastor Daniel. Find Pastor Daniel. Hey, I'm a visitor. Hey, they're a visitor. Give them a free shake, and they'll make them a free shake, and they'll boo me later. But based on the promise, they can step out and see things happen. The Bible says that we, based on a promise that fill his word, which is why we've been going over things, so you can stand and go, God says to lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God says that this is available to those that are in Christ. If I have made Jesus my Lord and my Savior, I am then positioned in Him. Therefore, all that He has and makes available is now available to me. And He makes it very clear that we are to see the sick healed, that my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. It is not for the pastor to go and pray for everybody. It is for the pastor to equip you to go out to do the work of the ministry. And in Mark chapter 16, verse um, 17 to 18, I'm going to read two portions of it. It says, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. And it goes on, and at the end of the list, it goes and says, They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's going to lay their hands on them? The believers. Who is a believer? Someone who has placed their faith in Jesus. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you've said, I have called on him and made him the Lord of my life, that makes you a believer. If you believe, it says, these signs will follow you. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. What happens before they recover? Trick question. You guys get to answer it. What happens before they recover? Yeah, they're sick. That's step one. What's next? Lay hands on them. Marvelous. What happens if no one lays hands on them? They don't recover. You guys are brilliant. You um, should move on a grade. So, uh, but Jesus says this. He goes, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do and greater works than these. Who's going to do them? Those who believe. That means that Jesus isn't just going to come in and overwhelm everybody and do everything. He goes and he sends us out. And a lot of times the reason that we see so many people sick and not healed is because they don't pray. They don't ask. James chapter 4 verse 2. Um, He goes, you do not have because you do not ask is the last part of the verse. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus commissions his disciples. He called his 12 and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. And then verse 8, he goes, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons you've received without paying, give without paying, go. I added the go, but he just, listen, listen to this. Boom, this is what you're doing? And he commissions them and sends them out to pray for the sick. We have been sent out. It is our job to pray. It is God's job to heal. James chapter 5, verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person. The Lord will raise him up. If he commits any sins, he will be forgiven. And it goes through making it very clear, you're going to pray, God will raise them up. And I've seen so often, we're like, well, what if nothing happens? What if something does? Does a batter go up and go, I'm just not going to swing. What's the use? I might strike out. What happens if the batter never swings? If the pitcher really stinks, they get on base. But as long as the pitcher is worth anything, if they never swing, they get struck out. What happens if they miss every time? Strike out. So doing nothing is the equivalent of failure. Doing something You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And you go out, and he sits here and goes, go pray for the sick. Um, And as we do, we're going to see God move. We're going to give you guys a chance to see this happen. I believe that the easiest place to step out is here. Everybody just heard me preach and say that God called you to lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Everyone in here just heard that it's God's will for them to be strong, for the God, God's will for them to be healthy. So when you say, can I pray for you, they're expecting it. I'm going to make you all do that. So be prepared. And if you're an introvert, be prepared. This is your warning. I'm about to make you talk to the person sitting next to you. If you don't like the person you're sitting next to, move quickly. No, stay where you're at. <laughs> Uh, but I think this is probably the easiest spot. We are called not only to pray for each other here, but outside of this place, and I believe it's easier to do in practice than in a game, so we're going to do it in practice. I watched on Monday. I was playing volleyball. I liked the game. I went up. I don't remember if I was spiking or blocking, but I went up against somebody up against the net. I came down on top of their foot, and my foot went like this. It went down. There was a popping sound, and there was lots and lots of pain, which is not pleasant. Um, Just in case you're not familiar with pain, it's not pleasant. So uh, I hit the ground, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no. Uh, Who's going to pray for me? And I didn't even think about it. Like, I, I normally... When someone goes down at volleyball, it's not me. And so I walk over and everyone else is like going, oh, are you okay? Uh, can you get them some ice? And I either quick run and ask him if I can pray for him. I run, grab ice, then come back and ask him if I can pray for him and pray for him. It happened just a couple weeks ago. We had uh, another fellow roll his ankle uh, coming down on someone else's foot. And so I hit the ground and I didn't even realize that I had made this such a part because I didn't think, oh, dude, I am hurting I just got to find someone to pray for me. I just was in enough pain not to think clear enough to pray for myself. I just was like, ah, yeah, who's going to pray for me? And two of the, like, like, it took everybody back a second. And then two of the people who I have watched normally just do the stand in circle were challenged and were just like, oh, yeah. And so they came and they prayed for me. The pain began to go down almost right away. From there, where it was like this excruciating, just like roll around the floor and um, hurt. To being able to stand up, I'm like, all right, well, at least it's not the bone because I can put pressure on my heel without it like feeling like I was gonna die. I shattered my heel once; that wasn't good. Like, no, th- this is better. Like, the bones are still in one piece, and I was able to walk. Turned out, I I pulled some tendon or whatever. I did something I wasn't supposed to do, but there was an instant difference. It was not the 100% that I would have liked to have happened instantly, but there was a difference right away after I had them pray for me. And this is what's supposed to happen wherever we go. Because we're supposed to be the ones that, whether it's, hey, who's going to pray for me? Or, hey, what can I I pray for you? Because if you play sports, you've probably watched someone get injured. If you play sports, whether it's like, oh, I threw my arm out swinging my tennis racket or my golf club or I hit the guy behind me with the golf club or whatever it may be. If you play sports, you're going to watch someone get injured. Um, wherever we're at, we're supposed to be ready to pray and to see people get healed. Um, But right before we pray for each other, these promises are available to those that are in Christ. I want to give you a chance, if you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, to become in Christ because God has so much in store for us. He says, whoever calls on his name, will be saved. So we're going to call on God's name. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you can have one. So before we we turn to each other and pray, can you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes? This is your chance. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you say, I want to be in Christ, I want him to come into my life and to wash away my sins. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, you can be part of his family. Three, raise your hand nice and high. That's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want him to come in to wash away my sins. I want all that's available to me in Christ. All right. God, I thank you for each and every person here that you're doing a mighty work. God, that you're going to move in this place. And as they pray, they you said to ask and we shall receive and we're going to see great things. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Go ahead, turn to the person next to you, um, and if someone's on their own, scooch in. Um, turn to somebody next to you, and if you have an odd number, you may have to turn to two. That's fine. Ask them how you can pray for them. You guys are going to pray for them, and in part- we'll pray for whatever, but in particular, we're looking for any health, healing-related issues, because we've just been going over God's promises regarding healing. So go ahead, turn, and I want you to pray for them.